0: Welcome to the Avowed Podcast, I'm Jasmine Lilly. When it comes to planning your wedding, the first thing you typically check off the list is date and location. The venue you choose will likely set the shape of your celebration, so it's kind of a big deal. The problem is, wedding venues have a corner on the market. Because location is so important, many venues have recognized an opportunity to prohibit couples from outsourcing catering, alcohol, and other necessities in an effort to upsell. Being that I'm unmarried, this isn't something that I myself have encountered, so it's not something that was necessarily on my radar. My guest today is Katie Stoltz, the creator and owner of Venues and Vows, and she has opened my eyes to this massive flaw in the wedding planning system, a flaw that Katie has set out to remedy with Venues and Vows, which is, as she describes it, the Airbnb of wedding and event venues.
1: And so I thought about it and I was like, there's got to be in this great United States enough space for, you know, a ranch wedding or a farm wedding or something like that where not only are the brides not getting exposure to it, but, but landowners also don't have the exposure.
0: Katie arrived at the idea for Venues and Vows after five of her closest friends got engaged at the same time. and proceeded to struggle with finding an affordable venue that didn't prohibit them from hiring the vendors they wanted.
1: I had a background in consulting. I was a consultant for 10 years. And so I was like, you know, she's just probably not that great at this. I'm going to take this over and do it. And what I experienced was, nope, that's not true. I mean, she probably could have had a PhD in applied research and and you still wouldn't be able to find what you're looking for.
0: Katie also served as a bridesmaid for many of these weddings where she repeatedly found herself at the mercy of well-meaning yet invasive questions.
1: The... Mother of the bride came up to me and she sat down and she was like, So when are you getting engaged? And I was like, Oh, I don't know, your guess is as good as mine. You know, a few glasses of wine later, and the the wedding is over, the ceremony's over, and it's reception time, and I go up to my boyfriend and I tell him what happens, and I start to cry, you know. I'm <laughs> just like you know, it's puts a lot of pressure on you. It's the weddings just put a lot of pressure on a relationship, I think.
0: All that and more on today's episode of Avowed. Why don't you start by telling me about venues and vows in your own words?
1: I sort of consider it the Airbnb for wedding venues, but I think that we're a little bit more refined than that, mostly because we offer quite a bit of advice. We get personal recommendations from the homeowners who have had previous events at their houses, and they have usually had really positive experiences with vendors, and so we'll give people a very refined set of vendors that we think will fit their style and things like that. And the best part I think is number one, you're able to subsidize the cost of a wedding because people are staying at the property with you. And so if let's say it's $2,000 to rent the property for the weekend, probably 1500 of that, or maybe a thousand is going to be paid by your guests because they're actually staying there instead of at a hotel and having to Uber back and forth. So It's a positive experience for all. Um, It allows you to have an actual wedding weekend as opposed to just an eight-hour experience. And it is really the only place that you can book online a wedding venue without actually having to go tour, though we – certainly, you know, advocate for tours if you'd like to go see them and can schedule them if that's what you like as well.
0: That's really smart. I feel like that makes so much sense to me. I'm always telling people that it's a great idea to have a wedding weekend instead of just one day. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Totally. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to try to cram all of that in. And um, when I was looking through, I think your Facebook or maybe your Instagram, there was something about like, you know, I'm so glad that I spent $3,000 on eight hours, most of which was spent saying hi to people that I don't know said no one ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I yeah. Love that. Yeah. $30,000. Right. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what happens. You, you basically get to the venue and you're there Probably getting hair and makeup done for a little while. You get to spend some time with maybe your mom and dad and your bridesmaids and vice versa for the groom or whomever are the, the couple. And, you know, then from there you go have the ceremony and take pictures for probably an hour or two. And then you have, you know, another hour or two where you're saying hi to people while everyone else is eating. And then maybe you have like an hour or so to dance (laughs) and then it's over. Right. (laughs) Like,
0: where are you cramming in the good time? I don't.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's
0: spreading yourself very thin in a very short period of time.
1: Yeah. And everyone just says, like, you know, try to soak it up as much as possible. You know, look around at the people in the room while you're or, or the venue while you're getting married so you can sort of you know, take it all in. But really, you don't have that much opportunity to spend time with people. And this is the one chance you get where everyone's going to say, okay, I'll go to X place, because this is the most special day of your life. And So if you can get them to go there, why not have a weekend out of it instead of just that short amount of time where you're running around like a crazy person?
0: Yeah, take advantage of it. You're right. It is really the only excuse to get all of those people in one place, which is frustrating as somebody that's not married because I'd (laughs) really like them all to come to me. But (laughs) until Patrick puts a ring on it, I'm like not going to get all my friends in one place. (laughs) Yep, exactly.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: (laughs) So tell me about the experience that sort of inspired you to start this. You mentioned that you had five friends that were all getting engaged at the exact same time and that they were having a really difficult time finding venues. Yeah,
1: exactly. So it was just kind of a mad rush. It was so surprising, honestly. But yeah, everyone just got engaged at the exact same time in the fall of I believe it was 2015, I want to say. And it was sort of a a mad time just because people were sending these Pinterest boards around and Excel sheets and Google Sheets and you know they had lists of venues and things that they got with the venue and didn't get with the venue and the pricing and all of that. And ultimately they were saying, I can't find what I want. And so after that experience, well, during that experience, one, one of the weddings I was actually in and I, you know, offered to help my, my best friend. And I was like, listen, I didn't say this to her, but I just kind of felt like she was an inadequate researcher. (laughs) Um, I, (laughs) I had a background in consulting. I was a consultant for 10 years. And so I was like, you know, what? she's just probably not that great at this. I'm going to take this over and do it. And what I experienced was, nope, that's not true. I mean, she probably could have had a PhD in applied research and and you still wouldn't be able to find what you're looking for (laughs) because venues are just not set up that way. I mean, they, they want you to go to the venue to persuade you to book, to try to upsell you and to also figure out what price range you're in so that they can basically hit the top of that when they give you an estimate. And so, you know, when you're trying to make phone calls or you're doing research online, it's almost impossible, you know, so you don't get a straight answer. And even if they do publicize or, or publish, I should say pricing, there's still some hidden something somewhere. And so, you know, after going through all of that, ultimately she ended up getting married on a Sunday and, uh, that was what she could afford. And and that was fine. It was a gorgeous wedding. It was beautiful. It was awesome. And, you know, it's just so much pain and heartache going through all of that research and ultimately feeling like you're being sort of like swindled, you know? And so that was really the motivation for it. And my initial, my initial inclination was to do a better job of indexing websites and venues. And again, you know, even though I had had that experience of sort of, I'm hitting a brick wall, I still thought that websites, the traditional websites like Wedding Wire and the Knot didn't do a wonderful job of, of indexing. And it's really hard to sort of root through all of those venues because honestly, they're you can pay to be at the top. So you don't really know you know which one is the best or which one had the best reviews or all of that because some of it is is paid advertising to be at the top and so yeah absolutely you know i was like this is just crazy <laughs> and so actually it all sort of came to me while i was riding in an uber and i hmm. was thinking about the sharing economy and i just thought why can't people utilize the same concept with weddings because I did know of a few people that had had a backyard wedding or, you know, a a beach house wedding or something like that. And so I thought about it and I was like, there's got to be in this great United States (laughs) enough space for, (laughs) you know, a ranch wedding or a farm wedding or something like that, where not only are the brides not getting exposure to it, but, But landowners also don't have the exposure. And so, you know, people that have a farm or just, you know, 60 acres of land where, hey, sure, go ahead and set up a tent. I don't care, you know, and have that opportunity to sort of push the two parties together while significantly decreasing the cost for a bride and simultaneously creating extra income for the owners.
0: Yeah, cuz if you own, you know, a large piece of land or you own a property like that that you are interested in renting out I mean other than yeah like having a website and right. really like going full on into like now we're a wedding venue right. and and that's a huge undertaking um and then you're com- yeah I mean it's if if that's not something that you want to do full time and you don't have the resources or the excitement honestly to like launch a website
1: <laughs> then Exactly.
0: Yeah, I think you're right yeah. that platform was missing and um facilitating those connections was really missing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so that's sort of how it was born as an idea. And then I did a lot of research and I, you know, queried my friends. I, I sent as many people that would answer <laughs> a, a, you know, very simple survey about, you know, what was your wedding experience like? How much did you spend on it? How hard was it to find your venue? And, you know, sort of tested the idea and I got a really positive response. Now, that being said, it was my friends. And so I was like, well, I'm going to do a random uh, survey. And so I did two Google surveys. And the first one came back so positively that I actually asked a research friend and she was like, you worded this in a in a way that made people sort of answer it in a more positive way. So I reworded it and it came back to a 75% positive response um, as opposed to 92%. (laughs) And so that was, (laughs) that was more realistic, but still very positive. And I was still very encouraged by it. And, you know, people ultimately hadn't heard of a platform like this, uh, but they were very, very excited about the idea of it and also very excited about the idea of being able to personalize it and, you know, not be sort of pigeonholed by the idea of or the the rules of you have to use our catering, you have to use our bartenders, you have to use, you know, whatever else requirements that we have at this venue. So that was um, another pull for the people who wanted, you know, brides and grooms. And I think hopefully
0: it encourages anyone that is operating, you know, a strict wedding venue to, I don't know, examine their practices. It it sort of, it broadens um, what is available to people and so hopefully forces their hand a little bit in, you know, not jacking up the prices unnecessarily or having, like you're saying, all of these really arbitrary, strict rules about what you can and can't bring in, which... Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know that if they're telling you that you can't do this and you can't do that, it's because they want you to spend that money there. And Exactly. Yeah, it's really frustrating.
1: I just had a friend get married at a, a traditional wedding venue probably in, I guess it was October of last year, and they were telling me the cost of alcohol, <laughs> and I was just appalled because... You know, it's like a Bud Light, and <laughs> they're charging them five or six dollars for a Bud Light when obviously you could buy a case for, you know, $25 or something like that. And it's just so frustrating because of the premium that is put on top of things. Yeah. Because of, you know, overhead and unnecessary sort of. Yeah. And that just
0: feels so like such an abuse of power to me. Absolutely. I, weddings are already so preposterously expensive yes. and to add insult to injury like now we're gonna charge you five dollars for a bud light. Are you right. kidding me? That's right. so whack.
1: <laughs> yes, it's completely whack and I have gone on record and will continue to go on record that that weddings are in my personal opinion quite a racket and it this is really my personal effort to try and get around at least the venue cost and simultaneously, figure out ways that you can do the BYOB or, you know, BYOC catering uh, so that you're you're cutting that cost pretty significantly as well.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it opens people up to have weddings and celebrations that are specific to them as individuals. You know, Mm -hmm. when we, when we force people to have catering and to have all of these, you know, specific things it's like you end up having these mick weddings like they all look the exactly. same exactly these aren't the same people <sighs> everybody doesn't want the same food everybody doesn't want the same bar everybody doesn't want the same experience and to um inhibit their ability to have a potluck style wedding if right that's what they're after like that just seems so selfish and it's like you know we do a really good job in this industry of doing the like this is your day and it's your (laughs) big special day and like really like romanticizing the whole thing and and like stroking the ego about like how individual it can be and then but then we like put these roadblocks in people's way to actually individualize the occasion
1: right yeah you'll have to have white tablecloths white chairs you'll have to have this arbor you will have to have chicken and spaghetti you'll have to have these two kinds of wines, you know. Yeah, like... and then
0: we wonder why everybody's wedding ended up feeling the same. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. Oh, man. So you mentioned that you were a bridesmaid at a couple of these weddings. Oh,
1: yeah. I've been a bridesmaid many times. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a bridesmaid, let's see, um,
0: I think just two times. They were both really mellow weddings, though, Were the weddings that you were in were they pretty substantial bridal parties with like six people on either side.
1: The first wedding that I was in had, I think she had 12 bridesmaids. Wow. I mean, it was really an unbelievable experience. <laughs> and uh, I mean, we can all laugh about it now because we we were right out of college. I mean, we were probably 24 or so, and uh, she... Her colors were seafoam green and, like, ballerina pink. Oh, my gosh. And so we were (laughs) wearing – I had a silk green with taffeta underneath dress with a pink sash around the waist. And uh, her sister was the maid of honor and had the opposite. So it was a pink dress with a green sash. I mean, it is really just – a sight to be seen (laughs) it's
0: like cotton candy (laughs) like 12 cotton candy clad
1: bridesmaids (laughs) oh my gosh it was so outrageous so outrageous but uh yeah so I mean I've I've definitely seen laid back but for the most part they've they've been quite a production I think in in a lot of ways uh I was just in a wedding in. Montenegro last year. So that was, that was obviously, you know, flying 5,000 miles or however far away it is. Uh, So, uh, I think, you know, to each their own, I guess. Yeah.
0: So in that experience, what, I guess, what did you enjoy about that experience and what did you have issue with being, being a bridesmaid in general?
1: I think being a bridesmaid is, first of all, and I, I don't say this in a cliche manner, I think it really is truly an honor. Um, and I think it's really sweet to be asked to be a bridesmaid. Um, I I do think that people sometime overestimate the amount, and I say this from a bride's perspective, overestimate the amount that a bridesmaid should be, you know, putting forth effort mm-hmm. and and what they should be doing. And so I think that sometimes that can be, a little bit frustrating from, from a bridesmaid perspective, but you know, it's their day, do what they ask you to do. It's only going to be a couple of hours and it'll be fine. But I think that, you know, I, I'm currently in a relationship and in particular in that, in that Montenegro experience, the bride and groom, the groom was, is my boyfriend's best friend. And so he my boyfriend was the best man. And I while I was not a bridesmaid in that wedding, I'm very close to the bride and uh we you know all got our hair and makeup done and everything in this in this, you know, suite at this hotel and we were sitting there and my boyfriend and I have been together for at that point I guess a little over 2 years and the mother of the bride came up to me and she sat down and she was like, so when are you getting engaged? (laughs) And I was like, Oh, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. And you know, of course it's, it's not mean spirited or anything like that, but it's just kind of like, Oh God, do I have to answer this question? And then not 15 minutes later, the mother of the groom came up and, you know, said the exact same thing to me. And, uh, You know, a few glasses of wine later and the the (laughs) wedding is over, the ceremony's over and it's reception time and I go up to my boyfriend and I tell him what happens and I start to cry, you know. (laughs) I'm just like you know, it's puts a lot of pressure on you. It's the weddings just put a lot of pressure on a relationship, I think, because you're sitting there and you're you know, everyone's just kind of like in this love mode and talking about the, you know, how they got together and why they're together and their love for each other and all of that. And obviously you feel that same way about your partner. And so you're like, geez, scratching your head. Why, why aren't we actually engaged? And in this particular case, it was a little different because the bride and groom, the people that got married in Montenegro were together for a relatively short amount of time. They got engaged after a year wow. and they were married within a year and a half or, you know, a little over a year and a half. And so my boyfriend and I had been together for that entire time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so everyone's looking at us like, what the heck's going on over there? While you know, logically you're thinking to yourself, I, I mean, it's two, two years is a normal amount of time to be together, right? Like I shouldn't feel so much pressure, but you do. And so I think that, you know, weddings, whether you're a bridesmaid or not, can sometimes create that, that pressure for, um, those of us who are single or I should say not married more accurately. I
0: agree 100%. It's a dangerous cocktail of emotions. And if, and and it is a funny thing that we feel comfortable asking people when they're getting married, because like, I don't like, to me it's on the same level as asking somebody when they're going to have children. It's none of my fucking business. Like it really (laughs) isn't. Um, And if it wasn't already like a sensitive subject in their lives, or something that like hadn't been addressed, or maybe had been addressed, and like, you know, was a conversation that they were having, I would never want to bring that up in a space like that, right? Because a wedding right. is such an idealized um expression of love. And love is so mm-hmm. complicated and it's different for everybody, and there's not a time frame that works for everyone. And I mean, I'm right there with you. I've been with Patrick for 10 years and I have two close friends that are getting married this summer. My best friend got married two years ago. Like, I, and we've been together longer than any of them. And I'm watching all of these weddings happen. And it's difficult for me when, you know, I, when they get engaged in the first place and then I'm, you know, doing their wedding cake or I'm a bridesmaid in their wedding. And it's already complicated enough for me to, process all of those feelings and really try to separate myself from the situation enough to where I can be honest about like do I really want to get married right now is it something that I want because I'm like being surrounded by it and all my friends are doing it and then it's like you know if everybody jumped off a cliff would you jump off a cliff kind of totally yeah and it just seems so unfair to be putting putting a magnifying glass on what is already a pretty big thing to consider in the first place. And then Mm -hmm. to be putting someone in that situation when tension and emotions and all of this stuff is running high and then there's wine in your hand and, (laughs) you know, swelling music and people expressing how in love, like, it just seems really unfair to me. Right. (laughs) Totally. But people do it all the time. I've definitely had people ask questions like that for me in when I was at weddings when I was even just a guest at weddings um and it's like uh
1: I, yeah do we, like
0: do you really want to get into this right now because I sure as hell don't yeah <laughs> and then and then you've got the the bouquet toss which to oh me my is
1: gosh, so Can we eliminate that Can we just get rid of that? Let's remove that tradition 100%. (laughs) Yeah, it's got to go because it, like,
0: so Amber Marlowe, I had her on the podcast and she was saying, and I think I'd read something about this, but, you know, where that tradition originates is that people wanted to take some piece of the bride's luck and joy um and you know infuse it in their own lives and originally they were like tearing pieces off of her wedding dress and so eventually she was like here's the bouquet just take it <laughs> <laughs> So like I love sort of the uh, the um, origin story for that tradition, but yeah. the tradition itself in our modern world really puts women and their dates to these weddings because maybe you're like, maybe this is your first date or oh your fifth gosh. or something. Yeah. I mean, people bring wedding dates all the time that are not their significant others, and it's like, why are you gonna why are you gonna put them in that position? Like, how many fights have been so started over awkward. the bouquet toss? Yeah, so
1: many. Or when it's when it's so deliberate, and they're like you know, they put the one person that they want to get engaged right in the middle and then everyone like scatters so that it goes right to her.
0: (laughs) And you're like, wow,
1: that's even more awkward. And this is so, you know, just mortifying, really.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And then a, a lot of times it's well, first of all, I take issue with the fact that these are like, quote unquote, single ladies, because I'm not single.
1: Right. (laughs) Right. I've been
0: in, I'm in a committed relationship, like in an an emotional way, I am married already and Mm -hmm. I do not need you to like shove me into a group of single ladies, quote unquote, so that I can get pressured into catching a bouquet and then have everybody asking me all night when I'm going to get married. No, thank you. Yeah. No, oh, it's hell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I agree. Let's abolish it. It's got to oh, go. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad tradition.
0: <laughs> Along with the garter toss, that one really creeps me it's out. It's so,
1: oh, it's so creepy. It's just like, I don't really want my dad to be there, you know, like, or for the ma- that matter, like really anyone witnessing that, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I could, I could go with both of those things being abolished. I actually don't think that was done at the last wedding that I was at, which is nice, but the bouquet toss did happen. And it was one of those deliberate things where the girl, the one girl that was there, thank goodness it wasn't me, but it was one of the bridesmaids. Uh, she, was she's been with this guy for a while and they they pushed her right to the front and she caught the bouquet and they're just kind of like tick tock I'm sure that she got the exact same questions that I got so
0: that poor girl and you're just like whoo, dodged a bullet (laughs) and she was the sacrificial lamb that day exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) so terrible (laughs) oh my gosh yeah so you've been in a relationship for two and a half years Mm mm-hmm yep
1: we've had very pragmatic sort of conversations about it where you you know, we, we've we sort of discussed maybe just the justice of the piece for right now and then do the celebration later because, you know, we're, it's gonna happen. We're gonna get married to each other, but we're both in, in pretty, I mean, this is obviously my company at the startup and I'm, I'm, I work all the time and he also works all the time. And so you know, how much time do we have to really plan all of this out? And, uh, it's, it's sort of up in the air, but we've pragmatically talked about it from like a health insurance perspective. (laughs) So, you know, he has, uh, you know, company health insurance. So, does it make sense for us to get married so that I'm on his his health insurance you know so these are all those super romantic conversations you have about <laughs> marriage and taxes and all of that so I think it's
0: smart though <laughs> yeah i don't think that pragmatic life decisions and romanticism are right. entirely separate issues i think we have this habit of skimming over the real talk because we want to be swept up in the romance and right that feels really um irresponsible to me in the long run
1: it does i i don't know if you've heard of this this quiz but there was a quiz in the new york times it's like 13 questions you and your your partner should ask before you get married and it was it was a great conversation they were all you know they they're sort of you know some were softballs and some were fastballs but I thought that it was a a valid conversation to have, and uh, I recommend it to anybody who's in the process or considering getting married. So
0: you didn't work in the wedding industry or anything before you started Venues and No, I did not. What uh, was your position before this? What were you doing?
1: I did strategy consulting, and that's such a terrible way of saying what I did um, (laughs) because it's so, so vague. But I worked with companies and... Governments, international governments, nonprofits, uh, on a lot of different projects. They were, in some cases, ways to grow a particular industry or a different sector. Maybe it was uh, a drug that they, in particular, I, I can talk about it because I won't mention the, the company name, but there, it was a diabetes drug. And they were they were sort of trying to you know help people understand the how how to use it and the benefits of it. And I worked on a really really large study in the Middle East on uh, how big of a problem diabetes is in the Middle East. It's actually one. I lived in the UAE, which is where Dubai and Abu Dhabi are, and. Uh, I think it's third in the world for for prevalence of diabetes, well, which is really shocking for people yeah um, and 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 actually that whole region Saudi Arabia Kuwait Oman all of those places have extremely high prevalence of diabetes because essentially what happened was they they had an influx of Western culture sort of flood in and they, you know, all of a sudden had McDonald's and KFC and whatever, you know, all the fast food, all of the cheesecake factories in the world and everything came all at once. And it, it, it was such a change to their diet because they were actually, you know, living off of dates and camel meat and camel milk and all of those kinds of things. And I don't mean to that's not a bad thing. That was, that was good for them. Their bodies were used to that. And, you know, they, they ate much healthier, actually. Um, but when, when a a population evolves, and, you know, kids are sort of brought up on something like that, their bodies were not made for it. And so... The prevalence is just so so high. I went off on a tangent there, but th- that's a that's a that's a an example of a product or excuse me a project that I did. I also did uh, continent wide surveys for a part of the government, measuring what would be the best ways to invest in different countries in. Africa. So for example, should we spend money on schools or should we spend money on AIDS medication? And it wasn't an either, or it was more, how much should we spend here? How much should we spend there? Uh, given the issues that this particular country is facing. So those, those were some of the projects, but I, I probably worked on over a hundred projects, uh, throughout, throughout my tenure, I was there for 10 years. So those are just sort of the, the ones I can remember right now <laughs> crazy <laughs> so, yeah you
0: mentioned in your email that you had lived in Africa in the Middle East and I was curious how you ended up there so
1: yeah so the for the Middle East essentially we decided to open an office over there and so I was part of the the team that went over there in the first tranche and I stayed for a little while and uh, the Africa project was because of previous international experience I had and so they uh, we're kind of like, it seems like you'll be all right. <laughs> and so, uh, who worked in Africa in 10 or 11 countries over there. And, wow. um, it was a phenomenal experience. It was a really great experience. I, I was bouncing back and forth between there and Washington DC quite a bit. So I wasn't a permanent resident of, of Africa, but was there quite a bit.
0: That's so cool. Did you experience any weddings or celebrations like that? I'm really mm-hmm. fascinated with how people in different cultures celebrate love.
1: Well, so so the Middle East is really such a cool place for weddings. They are beyond over the top. I, I can't even <laughs> explain yeah, I believe know, it. how crazy it is, but I think one one tradition that people might be interested in is that they have these henna nights. And so essentially what it is, is that the bride and her friends and relatives get all of this henna, like all over them, like all over their arms and everything. And uh, it's beautiful. It's really, really cool. And now it's been extended to, I mean, most people have it done when they go to a wedding and stuff. It's, it's beautiful. And yeah, so then they they do separate out the men and the women, and essentially what happens is that the women will be there with their friends, and the woman who the bride has usually you know tons and tons of really beautiful jewelry, and her makeup is so incredibly elaborate. I mean, I've never seen even stage makeup this elaborate. It is just unbelievable, um, and and then when it is finally time for the wedding, usually they'll still keep everybody separated with the exception of the bride and the groom and their immediate family. And they'll go into a room and they'll they'll have their ceremony. And then in some cases, what they'll do is they'll actually like pipe the, the ceremony onto a TV into the rooms where the other people are. So the men and the women in their separate rooms and they're watching it that way. Mm. So they'll do that. And then... And then, you know, it breaks into an actual reception and stuff. And and it's just totally crazy. And um, it's, I mean, crazy in the best way. It's just an overabundance of food and entertainment, music. And in I've never been to a Lebanese wedding, but I think that some of the Middle Eastern weddings sort of take on this dance that that happens at Lebanese weddings and I actually forget what it's called but it's just so cool and the men usually lead it and hmm. sometimes they have these canes that they use they're really like skinny canes but they're they use them and they and they kind of like bounce up and down like they literally like touch the ground and then come back up it's it's Whoa. really cool really it emanates from they don't do this anymore but it it emanates from you know basically the the man sort of calling for his bride and then she comes out and and uh they get married you know in a special ceremony with their families and stuff but there's like you know an exchange of a dowry or whatever
0: yeah um, so intense
1: yeah, yeah yeah very and the the weddings are not small like you wouldn't find an intimate wedding among Emiratis in in the UAE i mean they're they're mostly 4 to 500 people wow, and, that's so many. and they're usually a week long like they're not just a day wow. so it's it's you know 5 to 7 day celebration and it's really in, intense but you know a really cool intensity so that's
0: <laughs> so crazy
1: yeah man yeah. i wonder
0: what the amount of money that they're spending i mean cuz we we always talk in this country about um like, you know, these preposterous budgets and how much money people yeah. spend on average in weddings in the States, which I the last statistic or um information that I had was uh the average American wedding is thirty thousand dollars. But
1: the average is thirty two like thirty two thousand and like some change, but mm-hmm. that doesn't include like a wedding gown and some other stuff. It doesn't. So interesting. It, no. There's cause I was doing we're gonna uh, post a blog post relatively soon. Cause we threw like a mock wedding and we kept it under $15,000 and we just did a compare and contrast to the numbers that were given that are the national average from the knot mm-hmm. And it easily, I think it was like $37,000 or something like that. Wow. So yeah, so it's much, much different, but the, the difference To keep in mind with the UAE is that it's one of the most wealthy countries in the world. And the citizens of the UAE, in a lot of cases, have subsidized government money. And so they, number one, when they get married, if they marry another Emirati, so like a a man couldn't marry me and get this, but they'll get a plot of land. And in some cases, they actually get help to throw their wedding. So they'll get like Whoa. twenty or $30,000 and sometimes more to actually throw the wedding. That's crazy. Yeah. But I think, I mean, on average, I would say that they probably spend, uh, I mean, I would say that they're at least $100,000. That wow. would be a, mo- a modest <laughs> guess. <laughs> a very, very modest guess.
0: Yeah. It puts it into some contrast, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah for sure. Yeah. And then did you experience any weddings in Africa in, um, like I'm really interested in like this smaller tribal celebrations and stuff
1: like that? I didn't see tribal ones that would, I was in, I was in, well, I was in small places, but I didn't see those kinds of weddings. I saw weddings because I would stay in larger cities. And then I would travel out to smaller towns to do a lot of the work that I was doing. But I often, because I would be there on the weekends, I would see wedding celebrations at the hotels I was staying at. And so the one thing, and I'm sure that this doesn't come as any surprise whatsoever, but everyone is just so brightly dressed yeah. <laughs> they they just have such amazing patterns. And in a lot of cases, they're very, very coordinated, so mm. they may have asked people to dress in, like, red or purple or something like that, and this is just honestly a guess of mine, but it always seemed like they were somehow color-coordinated. That's
0: interesting.
1: Yeah. Because you definitely see
0: that in the States, obviously, people having this color palette, and then it right. like dictates the entire occasion. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's interesting to note that it's not just Western civilization that has right. a habit of doing that. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Did you, um, Sean Parker, remember the guy who started Napster? Did you ever see the photographs Mm -hmm. from his wedding? No. Oh my gosh. You should look it up. (laughs) So he and his wife got married in the Redwood Forest and they had this crazy elaborate, um, Lord of the Rings inspired wedding and this really famous costume designer designed costume, like (sighs) period costumes for all of the guests Oh my gosh. It's next level. Like it is <laughs> next level. They're oh it's so gosh. opulent. There's like furs on like
1: beds in the Oh, I'm looking at it right now. This is crazy.
0: It's wild. They have a pen full of bunnies for people to cuddle, which I think is really genius
1: oh my god
0: anyway yeah that's that's what i thought of when you said like you know all of the guests and coordinating outfits you don't see that a lot in the states but that one wedding in particular really that
1: is so crazy i know oh my god and the amount of money
0: that they spent on that wedding is obscene i mean they rented out the redwood forest and created this insane floral installation and oh my god it's it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Objectively, it's stunning. I mean,
1: it is beautiful. The costumes are are over the top, but
0: Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, I mean, if you have that kind of money, <laughs> like
1: why not, I guess.
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> I guess it's still hard for me to like justify something, like that, I but know, you know, I know to each their own. <laughs> I know, right. Yeah,
0: I don't think I I don't think I could do it either, but um but it is I do enjoy leafing through the photographs and just having my mind blown. Yeah. And to me, that's like closer to the weddings that you see in um, the UAE. And like, um, Mm -hmm. I know that I think it's Thailand has really opulent, incredible over the top weddings as well. The
1: Philippines as well. Yeah, the Philippines. And India. Yeah. For
0: sure. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So colorful. That's one of the things I really wish that... I'd, I'd like to see that change more in the States. Um, I feel like we're in this really like blush tone, mm-hmm. pastel period right now, which mm-hmm. is funny because I think we went through a similar, but obviously much tackier phase in the 80s. And I think for yeah. for quite a while, people were like, we can never go back. Like pastels are ruined. We like we <laughs> yeah. totally destroyed any integrity that pastels had. And then, <laughs> and then, yeah. Now it's like they've made a comeback. Um, back with think, a vengeance, right? I know, yeah. and it's not bad, but it's so overdone to me at this point. Like every yeah. wedding that I'm seeing is muted. Absolutely. And Montana yeah. is like, we joke around here that we're like three years behind everyone else. Like <laughs> it takes, it takes like an additional three years for us to cycle through the national trends, um, which is infuriating, but <laughs> so like every wedding, that's really funny. every wedding that we get here is, um, rustic, but elegant and blush. Towels. Right, <laughs> right,
1: right, right. Yeah. Oh, oh man. That's funny. But I feel
0: like every, um, I mean, there's a really thriving wedding industry here and it's changing a lot and, and evolving, which is really cool. But um, there's so many really thriving pockets of wedding industry across this country. And we live in such an enormous country with each state really feeling in many ways like its own country in terms of mm-hmm. culture and everything. And so I'm mm-hmm. super curious about we have these tropes here, you know, the things that we're so used to hearing from people who are planning weddings in Montana. And I'm so curious about, you know, you live in Austin, Texas, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious about, you know, in all of these other really thriving wedding communities, what people, you know, are just so tired of hearing and seeing and what they want to see change, you know,
1: rustic barns. (laughs) Yeah. You guys also have the rustic issue, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We definitely have the rustic. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I I think that it's, it's gotten to, you know, a little bit played out. Uh, I, I do still think that because it is so ingrained in the culture that people still do sort of cling to it, but they're they're doing it in more original ways now. so they they do still use barns because they're beautiful and they're yeah. so cool and like you know they have some of them have like totally tin surrounding you know walls and everything. and it's just a really unique setup. I think that people uh, that are uh, embracing sort of like the cowboy culture or things are are doing things that differentiate as opposed to just having, you know, the the muted pastels with cowboy boots and stuff like that. They'll bring in, you know, an actual barbecue, like spit or whatever. And, you know, maybe they'll roast a pig or something like that, or um, they'll have their own bandanas made, which sounds a little bit cliche, but they're actually really, really cool. Um, And (laughs) Yeah, I want to see – I love that
0: there's people incorporating more pattern, especially in, like, bridesmaid Mm -hmm. attire and stuff like that. Because to me, bridesmaid dresses are, like, the low point, generally speaking, of just about any (sighs) wedding – Um, (laughs) like, because it feels like, um, like this forced afterthought, like we're all still operating under the assumption that our best friends who we've asked to experience this really wonderful day with us. And like, you know, it is an honor. You're right to be asked and to get to experience that alongside somebody. But, but then we put them all in like these same dresses that are like Mm-hmm. universally unflattering and <laughs> all the same color you know it's like everyone has a different skin tone and we're forcing them all to wear lilac and it's like you know maybe lilac's not the best color for me or like for anybody right yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly and and yeah I just I i love when people I mean if I was getting married I would want all of my best friends to feel as comfortable and sexy and beautiful as they could be absolutely And yeah, yeah, I'm I really appreciate people who are stepping outside of that, you know, giving their bridesmaids more options or like just letting them, you know, giving them some kind of a guideline within which to work and then giving them free reign.
1: Yeah, especially when you have people who are in like, frankly, different life stages, like, you know, people that are pregnant or just had a baby or something like that. You know, they they need something with little more flexibility or something that, you know, can be their own style. And so maybe you have a color palette that you're looking at that's purple, you know, and if violet really flatters you, great. Or if you really want to go with the dark, you know, purple, almost maroon or whatever, great.
0: Yeah. And then that's also a really interesting one in terms of origin for traditions as well, because that's always been one that really fascinated me all the bridesmaids in the same color and I was like what's the what's the idea here like where's this coming from and yeah it turns out it's um it's a pagan ritual as many as many modern wedding traditions started off as Uh. and it was intended it was basically like all of the um bridesmaids or ladies-in-waiting as it were were wearing dresses similar to the bride to confuse evil spirits that were trying to get to her on her wedding day Oh, yeah! how interesting. And when you look at things like that, you're like, yeah, no, that just really doesn't have much of a place in our modern world, does Uh, it? (laughs) Right. But that's wedding traditions.
1: It's not the Salem witch project. Yeah. That's
0: what we do, though. I mean, we hold (laughs) on to these things. And I think there's definitely a lot of value in tradition. But I mean, I'm always encouraging people to you know acknowledge a tradition that they want to do and then like really look into what it means and where it originated and then what it means to them you know mm-hmm. you know if you want your dad to walk you down the aisle because you have a really close relationship to him and you want to have a conversation about what that means that's awesome but like don't just like do all of these things to do them you know
1: right cuz they, cuz they said you have to or yeah or history dictates it
0: <laughs> yeah exactly i really appreciate what you're bringing To the table with venues and vows, in terms of what we were talking about, with you know, these different areas and pockets of the industry having. Like the same thing over and over again. And to me, a big part of that is that the venue is like really the first thing that people check off of their list. Right. They decide on their wedding date and then they decide on the venue. And if you have this venue that is really conducive to one specific type of wedding, and then also they're insisting that you keep all of this stuff in house, Mm -hmm. I think that that has a big part of why, you know. I see the same wedding over and over again is because we're seeing the same venues over and over again. And so I really appreciate that you're like throwing in some diversity of
1: location into the mix. Absolutely. I mean, I, I liked your term McWedding because I, I was talking to a farm owner and he was saying that he heard about a place in Dallas that's literally a wedding factory and they have like, you have, very strict cutoffs, right? I mean, you have to be in and out because you have to get all of your vendors out by one time to get this other person in by another time. And, you know, you have it from eight to four and they have it from four to 12. And I was like, that sounds like an absolute nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, what do you do if, you know, you happen to be having a really great time and you just want to pay for an extra hour? Well, too bad, so sad, you have to get out. And wild. I just think it's such a terrible idea and such a compromise. I mean, if you are going to spend that kind of money, why would you do it that way? You know, I just. Yeah. It's
0: what's it's, the appeal of this venue? Because what? Yeah, exactly. I, obviously, people want to
1: go there if it's like booked out like that. Like, what is <laughs> I, I <laughs> what don't are they know. giving you? <laughs> I have no idea. It sounded like a he, he painted it as a convention center. And I was Yuck. I was joking with someone the other day. And I was like, do you want to have a wedding or an all hands meeting? You know, like, (laughs) this this isn't like, I don't know, I just don't get it. So I'm, I'm missing something here. And I think that it just needs to be reframed a little bit. You know, like, this is supposed to be a time when you get to spend serious quality time with your friends and family and hang out. You know, like I said, this is the only time you get to convince everybody to come to you. for Yeah, this I don't one want to weekend. feel rushed through that. Yeah, exactly. This so, terrible. you know, have a have a cool rehearsal dinner where you bring in a food truck or or a, a private chef or, you know, have a brunch where I I went to a wedding and the day after because they had rented a big house where all the the bride's parents the the groom's parents and the brothers and sisters were all staying in one house and the moms made basically you know 60 eggs of scrambled eggs and a bunch of bacon and we all had mimosas and beers and we hung out and it was a house overlooking the Pacific Ocean in Malibu. And it was amazing. And that, you know, that was enough for me. I was like, you could have just had your wedding right here, you know, <laughs> because this is like the coolest, coolest six hours, any of it, because we all just hung out and stayed there for a long time. You know, there was yeah, plenty to do, plenty to see. It was a gorgeous setting. And, you know, those are the moments that you like really Revel in and get to like hang out with everybody that you want to hang out with and just kind of like shoot the shit, you know, yeah. and you don't get to do that very often. So drink it in.
0: Yeah, the formula, <laughs> the formula of a wedding day, I understand the value in it. I understand that it like lends some kind of necessary structure to an occasion that is of that magnitude and that size. Mm-hmm. Um, but the moments that that are included in that timeline um, All of the things, you know, like the walking you down the aisle and then like the cutting of the cake and, you know, the like hugging everybody. I can't remember what that's called.
1: I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. So like all of these things, you know, that are like a forced part of this timeline. Um, Like those aren't the memories. No. Those aren't the moments that you're going to look back on. Those are never them. Like those are the motions that you go through so that you can get to the memories. Right,
1: right and they take up so much time.
0: <laughs> yeah, and all of the real moments happen in between and they happen in like the dark corners of your venue, mm-hmm. like where people are making out totally. or like having a great conversation <laughs> yeah. or like laughing their asses off or laying in the grass and looking at the stars cuz they're like a little bit saucy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the real celebration. Those are the real moments and Yeah, when you try to cram it all into eight hours, like you're just, you're going to gloss through those, especially as the center of attention. Yes. You're not going to experience any of that.
1: Totally. I could not agree with you anymore. I mean, and that's why, I mean, not everybody has totally bought into this yet, but I, I so strongly advocate the wedding weekend as opposed to the wedding day. Like some people are like, well, can I just rent it for a day? I'm like, you probably can, but you shouldn't you know, like you really shouldn't, you should get there on Friday, have a cool dinner with your friends and family, chill out. You're going to be at the house that you are going to get ready at Saturday morning, have the wedding. And then you're there Sunday morning to have maybe another brunch or like, you know, a couple of mimosas or bloody Marys with your friends. Like I, I so strongly advocate for a time where you have a big house or, you know, some plot of land where you can hang out as opposed to being cut up into 60 different hotel rooms and you'll be lucky if you catch each other in the lobby, you know?
0: Yeah. And it just is so much more relaxing. And I think absolutely from a devil's advocate perspective, I can understand people being like, Oh, but then I have to plan three parties for all these people instead of just one. And to me, that's actually, um, like a plus because, yeah. Because I think when you spread out the celebration like that, when you um, are planning a rehearsal dinner and a brunch the next day and this event, it sort of like takes the heat off of this day. When you Totally. When you're so – because that's like a lot of emotion and like
1: <laughs> just mm-hmm.
0: expectation tied up mm-hmm. into one event. And if you can spread that out a little bit and – Obviously, I'm not married, but I've like thrown some pretty substantial parties usually for my birthday. And yeah, and I always get so stressed out beforehand. And then, and then everybody's here, and it's like, what was I freaking out about? Yeah. Why did what was the big deal? Um, if I managed to calm myself down right. <laughs> right? in the midst of it, which is hard.
1: The other thing is, is that who says that all of those things need to be like this grand occasion? You know, why just order some pizza? You know, like, I I don't know. I I just don't think that they need to be completely overdone at all. You know, have your, have your, the, the groom or the bride's parents, whomever's parents, you know, take that on. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that says that you have to have a sit down dinner and it has to be candle lit with a new set of flowers or anything like that. This is again, it, the concentration is on, Let's create some memories, and I think that that probably happens more easily with, you know, a twelve pack as opposed to like 50 <laughs> fifty dollar bottles of champagne. You know, yeah. there's, there's just the equation doesn't equal success if if it's more money or more effort.
0: No, so rarely
1: actually does it yeah. equal
0: more success, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then also you've got an opportunity there, like, say you have, um, like, a stepmother or a mother-in-law or something, it's always the mother, who (laughs) has, like, a million opinions and Mm -hmm. is like, you know, you need to have this and you need to have that. And I really want, like, what if we did these for the escort cards? And you're like, I don't give a fuck about escort cards. Yeah. Like, stop. Who cares? (laughs) Um, But having more events like that, like, hand her an event. Like, it doesn't right. need to be the wedding. Give her the rehearsal dinner. And then she, right. it's, like, busy hands. She gets to, like, put all of her ideas into one night. And it's and you don't have to stress out about it. And she gets, I mean, to me, like, that's a win-win situation
1: for everybody. Totally.
0: <laughs> and you're always going to have that. You're always going to have people. You're always going to have the peanut gallery who, mm-hmm. you know, has a million opinions about what you should do. One of the biggest pieces of advice I can give anybody is to delegate, like, hand off some tasks to people because everybody wants to help 100 and if you don't give them something to do they're just going to be hounding you and standing behind you and asking what they can do and driving you up the wall
1: yes 100 percent. that wedding that i told you about that had the the eggs and the bacon and everything the the mm-hmm. morning after her wedding was actually thanksgiving weekend and so Whoa. what she and they did it i think sort of on purpose actually to limit the guest list because they You know didn't want to have they happened to be extremely popular and have tons and tons of friends i mean their guest list could have been 600 people long and so i think they did it on purpose perhaps uh that weekend that's clever but their their (laughs) rehearsal dinner yes their rehearsal dinner was thanksgiving dinner and so everybody was on deck you know like everyone was you know somebody brought something Everybody is occupied (laughs) and there was actually very little time to worry about what was going to happen the next day because everyone was sort of involved and, you know, drinking wine and hanging out and cooking and, you know, and it was a very, very low-key, lovely Thanksgiving dinner with this giant, you know, it was a rented table that you know, or set a rented tables that would probably like six very long, you know, six foot tables and everybody sat down and had Thanksgiving dinner and it was perfect.
0: I really love that. Yeah, I would totally do that. That sounds like a blast. Yeah,
1: yeah it was amazing. <laughs>
0: You can find more information about Katie Stoltz and Venues and Vows in my most recent blog post at jasminerlily.com. Thank you for listening and thank you for reaching out. I love hearing from you about how this show is helping you process the hurricane of love, wedding, and marriage-related emotions. Keep up the good loving and have a wonderful week.